Good morning. Um, so we are going to continue in our series. Uh, this week is Love the Lord Your God with All Your Strength. Um, so I don't even have to say it. I have a question, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, as you're considering, because we all hold this idea of what is strength. So I wanted first to start with, in your life, who embodies strength to you? And tell me why. So first you can think about that, share with one another. Who in your life embodies strength? Because obviously that means you have a definition of that. And tell me why. And we'll come back to that. Tell me why. So go ahead and talk about that. Who embodies strength to you in your life? Um, so then my next question. I mean, you, you heard people's answers as people that embody strength. But I think it's good to have what is our operating our working definition of strength? Um, so go ahead and think about that, talk about that, and then we'll come back together. What is strength? How would you define strength? Strength. How will we define strength? Patience. Interesting. Resiliency. Ability to keep going even when it's tough. OK. What else? Perseverance? I heard everything, but I can't repeat it all as good as you did. So yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. What else? Endurance. A neutral grounding. Interesting. What, can you say more about that? Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Let me, um, obviously we've been together for a while because you guys have all the answers that are just, <laughs> now, yeah, nailed it. I can leave. Um, I, you've heard each other's answers, but do you think that that's the way that we, our culture that we live in? I, I mean, in North America, because that's where we are, specifically Southern California. Um, do you think that's how our culture defines strength? Let's talk about that for a minute. What, how would our culture d define strength? Bodybuilding. Bodybuilding, muscles. More status. Status. More taxes. More taxes. <laughs> power. Money, power. OK, hard outer shell. Non-emotional. Social influence. Interesting. Yeah. Corrupt? OK. So there's obviously a disconnect between what we talk about here on a Sunday morning in the culture and society and people around us, right? Um, so I think it would, when we talk about uh, strength, to love our Lord God with all our strength, and that he says, Jesus says, that if you do these things, you will live. And I think the implicit, and we see later on in Jesus' life, the explicit thing that he teaches is that if you do these things in your life, it gives other people opportunities to live alongside of you, right? So what we're talking about this morning, I would just suggest, maybe isn't just for you. Maybe it's you're supposed to be somebody that shifts culture, 
that shifts paradigms, that reorients people to a healthier picture of what strength. And I think, I don't know, I don't think anybody said, I heard somebody talking about it earlier, but power, right? That's, that's synonymous with strength. Um, it just, how it flows out could look very different. So um, as you, I, I, I want to point this out because I, I feel like this morning um, will reorient many of our understandings of strength. And so, you know, in our bulletins, we have our four questions, and every once in a while I bring them up. But I'm going to bring them up again today um, because hopefully you can utilize them. But it says, what did I learn about God or faith in God that I didn't know before? What made my heart jump for joy because I knew it to be true? What challenged me because I knew it to be both true and not how I live? And what touched a raw nerve and made me go on the defensive and why? So it starts out super nice, and then it just hits you right in the gut. But I think that's important for us to consider. So kind of use these questions as you're listening. Um, did anybody uh, have a chance to look at the videos from the Bible Project this week? No. I strongly suggest that you do that because I'm, frankly speaking, I'm indebted to their teaching. I mean, in four to five minutes, they can do with videos and words what I can do. It takes me 30 minutes to do. So if anything, you'll probably interact with it a little bit more. Um, but they do a really unbelievable job about explaining uh, in, in from Deuteronomy, because that's where the lawyer is pulling the text from, is Deuteronomy, of what strength and might is. Um, and so as we've learned, what, how we define strength or soul or heart is very different than how a Jew would define strength, soul, heart. Um, so this, how we define it or how our culture defines it, what if I told you that um, the word that use, that's used for strength in Hebrew, it means very? And you'd be like, what? There's only one time in scripture, it's the word meod, is used to define strength and might. Normally it's used like this. Uh, you could put it up in Genesis 131. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very, meod, that's the, the Hebrew, good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And if you look throughout the Hebrew text, it will be in situations where it says very. The only time that it's used for might or strength is in that Deuteronomy passage in the Shema. What it actually means and how a Jew would understand it is, and I, and I love this, you can click this one, it means muchness. <laughs> and that, that's not my phrase. I, like I said, that's the Bible project. I think they, I couldn't do it better than that. It's muchness. To love the Lord God with my muchness. How would we define, I mean, we're just having fun with this word, but how would you define muchness? Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Say it again. Fancy munchies. <laughs> yeah, that was a part of my life too. Everything. Okay. Well, we said because it's interesting, right? We moved from the interior, so we did heart, which is that interior person, and then we did being, which is your whole person. But now it's it's moving to strength, which is muchness. So it's, it's not just the interior or my person. It's, it's, it's got to be something else, because otherwise it's redundant. And although that happens in Scripture to emphasize things, I think there's, it's like an expanding balloon. 
and it's just getting bigger. Um, what else? Abundance, gold star, <laughs> right? I can say that because she's Judah's teacher. Yeah, thanks, David. Um, yeah, abundance, abundance. And what's interesting is usually when I picture abundance, it means that I have something and it's overflowing. But it means, well, for me, implicitly and explicitly, that I have a bunch. But where this becomes really challenging is especially for a subjugated people under Roman authority, abundance doesn't look like how we understand abundance. They operated with very little. They lived with very little. But somehow, there is this expression of overflow in their life with what they had. And so God's saying that love looks like in everything that we are interior, being exterior and what we do, that we would do it with a heart of abundance. Makes sense, right? Then Jesus reorients it. Because there's still, even in the Greek, so that's the, that's the first century Jew. That's how they would perceive the Shema is abundance, overflow, muchness, okay? But then when it's translated in Greek, so it goes here, it literally means power. And so I think there's something interesting that's happening, this transition from a people, Israel, Jews, that understand it one way, to the dispersion, like people are now hearing about Jesus that aren't Jewish, they're Gentiles. So they're going to have a different understanding of what power looks like, and it's a Roman power, and it's strong power. It's kind of the way that our culture defines power. And so... We see, and this is something that I want us to, to hold on to. You can click it up there and have this kind of seared into your brain. Jesus reorients strength and muchness. And that's super essential. He not only reorients strength and muchness for the Jew, but he does it for the Gentile. And Paul picks up on that later on in his text. So he's saying how you understand strength or how you understand power can be redefined in a different way. How? Well, um, this week, I probably got the greatest compliment I've ever gotten in my life. Um, I was told that I was meek. <laughs> I was told that I was meek. Let me, let me uh, define meek for you. <laughs> it's uh, defined as quiet, gentle, and easily opposed on submissive. I don't really feel like that's a compliment, right? I was told I was meek. I was like, I don't know how to handle that until I started processing um, all of this. What Jesus reorients, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's how Jesus reorients power and strength. Now, I didn't say that I got the compliment so you guys could be like, yeah, Sean, going to inherit the earth. Um, I couldn't have tied those two together, but it was interesting that somebody would say that to me this week, and I'm processing these things. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Who are the meek? The quiet, gentle, easily imposed on, submissive people of this world. That's you. <laughs> I will submit to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, does that sound or look like power or strength? I mean, and how would people interpret that? If anything, 
people that are in culture, wouldn't they abuse the meek? I mean, we see it all the time. The misuse and abuse of strength and power. On who? The meek. What Jesus says very clearly, this is from the Beatitudes, right? These are the people that will inherit the earth, not those people. I always kind of wonder when Jesus says those things, who is, who is he looking at at the time? You know, where was he looking? I don't know, but it's interesting for me. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. See, Jesus is teaching that true strength is actually weakness. What? Strength is weakness. But why is that? I mean, we see that in his life. Um, we see that Jesus, what happens when he's baptized? For those of you that remember. Holy Spirit descends on him. And every single miracle, every single just happen, like demonic removal is all done through the power of the Spirit. Jesus, in weakness, is empowered by the Spirit of God to do the miraculous. Would we say that Jesus in... Uh, our culture today, or a culture in the first century, would be defined as powerful? I feel like he would be defined as meek, <laughs> right? And the only reason that he would be interpreted as, as powerful is because he was empowered. But otherwise, if you look at his life and how he carried himself, I mean, even the simple act of the cross... While we now interpret that as strength and power, for those that anticipated him to be the Messiah, that's the opposite of power. That's the opposite of strength. He died the most horrific death, a criminal's death. He is the epitome of weakness. Yet we see this driving, magnificent, radiant strength. And I love that. And then... He says, so he reorients muchness, because we see there's, there's a great deal of weakness in his life, but there's a great deal of power and strength in his life. And people are saying, I've never heard scripture like this before in his teaching, and I've never seen this before. Did you hear about this before? And the, the, the naked demon-possessed man, they're like, what? How is... There's all these shocking things that people are like, I don't know how to reconcile this man here with this here. Um, and that very reorientation of strength and muchness, he does for us too. This is what he says to his disciples before the ascension. Go ahead, Tom. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Whoa. Number one, it's a promise from the Father to his beloved sons and daughters. He says, and stay, wait, until you are clothed with what? Power. And it's the very same power that he had. Now, if you think about when uh, the disciples are receiving this, and I'm not just saying the, the 12 apostles, I'm saying the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they're... they're feeling really good about things? I mean, they got Jesus, but do they really feel good about their lives right now? Probably not. 
<laughs> I would say that they are the epitome of weak and meek. And Jesus says, wait, because you will have power. And I think um, because in our culture and our society, um, you know, we have magazines. I think people in magazines, it's like uh, 50 Sexiest Men, right? And recently, the 50 Sexiest Men have been, uh, what is it, Liam Hemsworth, the guy that plays Thor. And here's this guy. He's nearly my height. He probably has a good 150 pounds on me when he's super ripped, right? And we interpret that as power. And so we're constantly bombarded with this message of what power looks like. We watch movies that display what power looks like. We watch the news that displays what power looks like. And it certainly doesn't look meek or weak. So do we have a power problem, do you think? Do we have a strength problem? I think we do. I think we do. The question this morning is when we're strong or we want to be powerful, I want you to consider what do your hands look like? Like let's say I put a million dollars in your hands. And by society standards, that would immediately make you pretty powerful, pretty strong, right? You do a lot of stuff with that. So what's the temptation? To keep my hands like this where people can take money out? How are my hands going to be? See, let's not pretend that culture has a power problem. I think we all have a power problem. I think we all have a strength problem. And that's a, that's a difficult thing to wrestle with. But what Jesus says is that we're supposed to love the Lord God with all our strength, muchness, and in the Greek context, power. And everything that we do, every opportunity of influence, of control, of power, of strength, we're supposed to live our lands like live with our lives like this. Hands open. And for some of us in certain situations, that's super easy, right? Like for me, it's easy with kids. I'm like, oh yeah, of course. But like when somebody's offended you or hurt you, how are your hands? Open-handed? Heck no. <laughs> My hands are like this. <laughs> and then like, maybe like, uh, like this, <laughs> depending on the person, right? So I want to talk a little bit about weakness this morning. I was sitting out on uh, my back porch last night. And it was a full moon. It was dark. It was like 9, nine o'clock. I was sitting in a chair, and I was just looking at the moon. And uh, you know, the gentle breeze is blowing. Right? It was, it was kind of crisp. It was really nice. And um, I, st I don't, for whatever reason, not because of the air show, right? But the, the sky was just busy last night. I mean, it was like, it seemed like every 10, 15 seconds there was a plane going overhead, just this way or that way. And as I was sitting there and I was listening to the different sounds, um, all of a sudden a light mist started. We've all been in a light mist, right? And I was sitting there, and I was listening to the rain. And so every 10, 15 seconds, maybe a little bit longer, and my eyes are closed, and I'm just listening, because we have, um, what is it, a pergola, like an overhang kind of awning. And it's just tapping ever so gently, right? 
And then maybe 30 seconds later, I hear a plane. And then it's quiet, and I hear the tapping. And I started thinking that our culture and our society is very much like the perspective of the plane, right, in terms of power. You think about it. A plane can go how many miles per hour? You may know. that. 500 miles per hour? 500 miles per hour? Yeah, I heard you said it too. Kudos to you, Dave. Um, 500 miles per hour. Hundreds of people. And let's face it, for the distances travel, it's, I know sometimes plane tickets can be super expensive. But relatively speaking, they're pretty inexpensive. To travel those distances at that speed, sometimes with peanuts or a meal, depending on your ticket, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's our power and strength. It's getting from here to there as fast as we can with as many people alongside of us going in the same direction, and we're going to do this. I mean, that's really society's picture of power. And then I was hearing the cars drive by, and they're zipping from A to B as quickly as possible behind my house. But what is weakness? Weakness is standing there in the mist. And do you, how do you feel when you're standing in mist? I mean, genuinely, think about it. When you're just sitting there, and you allow yourself to just stand there, what does the mist feel like? Does it feel like you're going anywhere? Like a blanket. It's refreshing. It's comforting. It's rejuvenating. You feel a sense of renewal. That's the picture I think Jesus is reorienting our minds around when we talk about weakness. It's not getting from point A to B as quickly as possible for the lowest cost with as many people going in the same direction. It's really sitting there in the mist and allowing him to bring renewal and refreshment because that's what weakness is. Because implicitly it means you can't do it. All you can do is stand there and be renewed and refreshed. Now the interesting thing about when I woke up this morning, because we have poor drainage, is I have a pool in my backyard now. <laughs> See, that's the, the beautiful thing about weakness, about mist, that we learn really quickly. It can be at a slow rate all evening long, but that slow rate becomes a torrential downpour, when you, and you see it with ponds and streams, right? Suddenly, they're rapids. I mean, if you go just down the street, you'll see how quickly landscape has changed just from a slow rain all night long. See, weakness laughs in the face of our culture's power because weakness is long-suffering, and it brings refreshment and renewal. And it's not from us, but it's from the very power of God. And so when we talk about overflow, Sometimes that overflow takes time to build. But we have it in our lives. And so God says to love him. And I think Jesus teaches that in weakness. So I read those verses in 2 Corinthians, right? This is Paul picking up the words from Jesus. Three times, because he's talking about his weakness. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. The other way to translate the very word of strength here in this text that the lawyer was saying in Greek is power. For power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may 
dwell in me. Therefore I am, and this is the trickiest word of all today, therefore I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. And out of that weakness, the overflow of the very Spirit of God builds up in my life, and it pours out. And you see that, and we'll see that certainly at Pentecost, as the overflow of weakness pours out. So this morning, uh, maybe first you need to consider what does muchness look like in your life? Uh, one of the things that's very easy to do because of our culture is to have a, uh, a uh, kind of this perspective of poverty, and I need more. I can't have muchness because I need more, because I lack. And maybe I'm not just talking about physical stuff. I'm talking about maybe relationally you lack something. It could be defined in many different ways, but maybe God's saying you don't lack, but actually you have more than enough, because why? My grace is sufficient for you. Perhaps um, you've been living your life, maybe you started out like this, but then over time you started doing this. And maybe what God's saying this morning is, what does it look like to live like this again? And perhaps um, all it takes is a willingness to be meek, a willingness to be submissive, not to me, not to one another, but to who? The very spirit of God in your life. Is to relinquish the power and control and authority that you want, that I want. And say, God, your will be done, not my own. We pray it every Sunday, right? Something like that. Your kingdom come. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. Um, so yeah, love the Lord God with your interior, sons and daughters. Love the Lord God with your very being, sons and daughters. Love the Lord God with the overflow that he provides for you, sons and daughters. That's how we truly live. Next week, we will talk about your mind. Maybe I need a couple weeks for that. I don't know. <laughs> for my mind. Um, let me pray for all of us. Uh, God, I thank you that as we look at the text, um, that you expand not only our vision, but our understanding of what life in you can be like. And that doesn't mean that it won't be challenging, um, but I thank you that you reorient our understanding of strength and power, that uh, like a, a first century Jew hearing this or saying this, like the lawyer for the first time, that we could look upon uh, our love for you with muchness, that we are not a people that are impoverished, that we're not, even as I think about Troy and Kenya, and, and I think about our family in, in, in Peru, there were so many people that by North American standards do not have much, but my goodness, they loved you with muchness. And I, I think that we can learn from that, God, is that we are an extremely blessed people and that muchness is very accessible to us. But... Um, but that we wouldn't just to define it by our material possessions, but that muchness would look like um, that interior, the way that we do and go about our lives, the way that we interact with people relationally, that we wouldn't just define it by things, 
or stuff, but that we would define it by uh, love, because that's really what this text is all about, is love. Um, God, I pray um, this morning for all of us um, that we would have the willingness in our hearts to relinquish control, that we would let go of our cultural standards and definitions of strength and power, um, and that we would pursue uh, your reorientation, Jesus. Um, that even this week, we wouldn't be so concerned about making our point or drawing uh, a line in the sand or stamping our feet or rolling up our fists into a ball, um, but, but to relinquish control and just be submissive to your ways, your words, your will. And God, I, finally this morning, I pray for peace. Um, like standing in that mist last night, that it would just overflow, that it would rush upon us. Um, because you are good. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.